now, time for seafood news. Hello, hello. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This week's episode is brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo, taking place at the Mazatlan International Center in Mexico from September 6th to the 7th. Visit expoinnovationayp.com or email expo at sbs-seafood.com for more information. This week we have another very special guest. Lauren, drumroll please. Burnaberry's new European seafood market reporter, Lauren McIntyre. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Hi, thanks for having me. As she runs from from our podcast room. In addition to our dedicated coverage of the seafood market in the U.S., Erner Berry will be expanding their global footprint by providing essential market information on seafood trading within Europe. And of course, Lauren brings valuable experience to the position. Lauren, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? So I previously worked in fish ecology for a number of years. And then I worked at Lidl, which is a large German retailer. I worked in supply chain and buying in the seafood department. Plenty of experience to to bring on board to starting our seafood coverage in Europe. Exactly. So yeah, Lauren will be working out of our. And we have two Laurens now. So yes. there's Lauren. It's so Lauren, my co-host. It's spelled L-O-R-I-N. Mm-hmm. Then we have Lauren, <laughs> L-A-U-R-E-N. But or it's, you could say it in a British accent instead Lauren. of like that. Yeah. Okay, so that's, how, that's how I'll do it. <laughs> Lauren will be working out of our agri briefings, uh, London office. Uh, but we have her for a little bit in our Tom's River, New Jersey office, and you've been training with some of our market reporters. So how's that been going so far? It's been good. Yeah, everyone's really welcoming. I've um, been learning about the different teams and what they do, different protein markets. Um, yeah. Ready to take it all back across the pond? I'm ready, yeah. <laughs> wow, ready to leave us so quickly. I, know, I don't right. understand why. <laughs> Probably because we were also saying we're going to call her LL Cool Max. <laughs> because it's it's very confusing with two Laurens. It is, it know? is. But, you know, we'll get used to it. <laughs> uh, but either way, we're very excited to have you to join the Ernerberry team here. So, you be, you be, you be. <laughs> Well, Lauren, LL Cool Mac, you've <laughs> distracted us enough. So now on to the top news stories of the week. Now feel free to jump in here if you have anything, but sure. yes, you know, dive right in, join the conversation if you want. Great, will do. So Lauren, what's going on with tilapia? Okay, so tilapia is the leading seafood import from China and The past month, we've seen a dramatic increase in imports. Um, So the U.S. Census data, it's on a two-month lag. Um, We have import data up until the month of June. Uh, The beginning of September, we'll get July. But from the month of May into June, the imports went up 53% and totaled 26.7 million pounds for the month of June 2018. This figure, it does fall in the previous three-year average range of 28 million pounds, but this is the largest May to June increase ever recorded, and we have data going back to 1998. Uh, Many industry players, rather, are reporting that they are just beginning to see an increase in tilapia sales, um, and some are attributing the movement to demand shifting from the super record high prices in Pangasius but others are attributing it to people securing volume prior to these tariffs going into effect. So at the moment, prices are remaining stable at their current listed levels. So for example, right now we have a five to seven ounce standard moisture frozen filet from China, and that averages about $2 a pound. 
But this could all change should trade representatives implement that 10 to 25% tariff come September. Just like the rest of the industry, we all have to wait and see. And if that does go into effect, will the market uh, you know, pay that, yeah. that much more? So it, it really so is a waiting see. game. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. I know. Um, and it, this is basically the same story for a, a lobster. <laughs> um, so we've got a lobster analysis thanks to seafood market reporter Liz Cuzo. Uh, Liz reports that the recent announcement of the retaliatory tariffs by China has caused much speculation in, in New England as to how it will affect the lobster industry. And basically the bottom line is that it's it's t- still too early to predict. I'm, I'm doing a stutter <laughs> late, lately. I stuttered on the uh, on the weekly video that we do, so check that out on yeah, YouTube if you, there you, go. If you want. Any way to get views. <laughs> yeah, but I'm having a, a bad stuttering problem. But anyway, as I was saying, the bottom line is that it's still too early to predict what the fallout will be. Um, and the consensus is that it does not bode well for the U.S. market. So the U.S. exported $128 million worth of lobster to China in 2017, and that was up 56% from 2016. So far this year, we have exported 22.2 million pounds, of which nearly 12 million, po- million pounds went to China and nearly 2.5 million to Hong Kong. And that represents 57% of the export market. August 2016 was the first time we saw a significant change of export channel from Canada to China, and the largest export months to China occurred August through December 2017. Not surprisingly, June 2018 is the first month we have seen a decline in live exports. Okay, moving on from these China tariffs. Get them away from me. Yes. Um, So in other news, Ocean Beauty Seafoods is permanently closing their Petersburg, Alaska facility. The plant has not been operational the past two seasons, and Ocean Beauty Seafoods will continue to operate their facilities at Excursion Inlet, Cordova, and Kodiak Island. The decision to close the Petersburg facility stems from the plant's limited ability for fresh and frozen production. Prior to closing the Petersburg facility, it was primarily a cannery. Ocean Beauty Seafoods released a statement saying that they're confident the closing of the facility will not impact their staff, customers, or harvesters. Thanks, Lauren. Moving along, the National Fisheries Institute has some exciting updates. So first off, they expanded their Seafood Sea Jobs Trade Education Campaign. And for those that missed it, NFI's AboutSeafood.com site was rebranded to support the stories of American seafood workers. So we're actually not really, we're going back to the tariffs. (laughs) There's no escaping (laughs) now. So the idea behind the rebrand was to tell individual stories of the American seafood workforce to illustrate that both importers and exporters fear the harmful effects of the trade policies that the U.S. government is imposing. Um, So the site boasts featured videos and faces of seafood job videos, and uh, they're planning on updating the site weekly with new videos and content. And despite this being all about Chinese tariffs, I do love this campaign. Uh, I love the message that they're trying to spread, that seafood trade is not just a simple matter of import versus domestic. Agreed. It's um, it's something I'm excited to keep an eye on just because... I mean, I always like new content, but it, I think it's really interesting to see these like faces of the seafood. Yeah, and like, how industry. it's impacting, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not just like you th- like you have to go through the whole supply chain. Right. It's yeah. not just like it's not one just, person. That's yeah, affecting. it's not just black and white here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not, I mean, I still have more. Don't cut me off, Okay, Lauren. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the National Fisheries Institute has more. Um, so NFI's Red Crab Council and, un- and other industry and sustainable seafood groups successfully launched the first crab fisheries improvement project in China. Bravo! The Fisheries Improvement Project will work to address the sustainability challenges of the region's red swimming crab fisheries, whose 1,000-plus trawl and pot vessels catch approximately 40,000 metric tons of red swimming crab annually. I love it. 
And there's more. There's more? More! <laughs> NFI's Dish on Fish blog, a site dedicated to seafood education, has been named the finalist in the blog category for PR News' 2018 Platinum PR and Agency Elite Awards. The awards recognize the year's most outstanding communications campaign, and Dish on Fish is a finalist. Well deserved. Agreed. It's the only place I pull seafood recipes from because, like, I mean, well, we talked about this multiple times, but (laughs) I'm going to keep bringing it up. I don't know how to cook seafood, and it stresses me out, but I go on these sites, and they have, like, really easy recipes. Yeah, they make it super easy for you. Pretty much no-fail recipes that always come out great. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Okay, is that it for NFI? Uh, yes, I am done talking about NFI. <laughs> okay, let's kick things into gear with some NASCAR news. Kick things into gear, car reference, I dig it. Right? All right. <laughs> so forget about my Chicks on Chips chip podcast dream. <laughs> I've always wanted to start a podcast on racing. Mademoiselles and Motors, that's my new podcast name. Okay, I'm going to cut you off right there. <laughs> so Trident Seafoods is partnering with driver David Reagan's number 38 Ford in two upcoming races in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. The first race occurred this Sunday at Michigan International Speedway's Consumer Energy 400, and that's where the Lewis Kemp Crab Delights logo debuted on their car. It's pretty sharp looking. It's got the Trident, Lewis Kemp, and Alaska Seafood logo on it, and it reads, Powered by Wild Alaska Pollock on it. And it's powered by fish guts. That's I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that's how any of this works, but it's a cool car. <laughs> okay, just wait until everyone sees the car racing in Phoenix on November 11th. We got a sneak peek of the car, and it's even cooler than you think. We'll just leave it at that. All right. Very cool, but also kind of a random sponsorship. A little random, but, you know. So Trident's senior marketing manager, Mike Campanile, actually said that the sponsorship allows Trident to boost brand awareness. Mike said in a statement that NASCAR has extremely loyal fan base and marketing directly to the consumer base not only supports their many retail customers, but also aligns them with their mission of encouraging more consumers to eat more wild Alaska Pollock more often in more places. I can get on board with that, you know? Yeah, didn't you have some uh, when you were at your future I leaders in did. NFI? I got to eat wild Alaska Pollock. Trans Seafoods has this really awesome uh, food truck called uh, Fork and Fin. And they only serve like fresh, wild Alaska seafood there. So I got to try um, wild Alaskan Pollock, like uh, in um, with the skin on, in this awesome. It was like a fish and chip type of thing, and then also a taco. Nice. So I love Trident, and I love wild Alaska Pollock. So like I said, I'm on board. And um, we're gonna end the podcast mm-hmm. on a fun one here. One lucky lobster caught a break in Maine. A rare blue lobster, so rare that we're talking the odds of finding one are one in two million. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty rare. Um, ended up in the tank of a Kittery, Maine restaurant called Pepperell Cove. So fortunately, it didn't end up on the plate. Basically, this rare lobster became like a photo op for this restaurant. And then like kids hold them. Oh. Yeah, and they <laughs> want people cute. to take pictures with them. It was, it's great publicity for the restaurant. For sure. And, um, and ultimately, after a few weeks in the tank, the restaurant turned to Facebook to ask if they should set them free. <laughs> and I know, like, uh, we've seen, like, rare lobsters before. Some blue. There's, I mean, there's some yellow ones. There's, there's albino like, ones. Yeah, there's a lot of really rare lobsters. And a lot of them are usually donated to aquariums. But this lobster got a second chance and was released back into the waters by the restaurant. Um, a 17-year-old fry cook let him loose. So... Hopefully he stays loose. And no right. <laughs> you throw him back in and someone's like, look what I got. Yeah, right. Somebody at Red Lobster's yeah. like, <laughs> oh, swim, little buddy. <laughs> what a feel-good story to wrap up the show for our week. Special thanks to UB's new European seafood market reporter, Lauren McIntyre, for joining us. Hello, Cool Mac. 
LL Cool Mac. <laughs> and once again, this week's episode was brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you back here next week. What, what do you what do you say as a g- goodbye in um, the UK? Say ta-ra. 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 Thanks, <laughs> thanks LL Cool Mac, for giving us that a little bit. We're going to end every podcast now with ta-ra. Ta-ra. Is that it? Did I say it right? Ta-ra? All right. Ta-ra, everybody. Until next time. <laughs>